Welcome to the Converge Challenge podcast. I'm Colin Gray and thanks for coming back for our second episode. This time around we'll be digging into the next stage in the journey as our four entrepreneurs go from idea to implementation. You'll remember that last time we talked about the catalyst, that's the real starting point from that initial idea through to the first steps in making it real. Now we're going to see what they've learned during that shift that might help you in making your own idea a reality. Some of this focuses around one of the most exciting parts of the Converge process. That's an event that brings together 30 Converge finalists for three days of intense training. There, they learn as much as the training team can cram into their heads about starting, running and growing a business. So let's start with Chris and one of his biggest takeaways. What I learned through Converge um, was that you can throw that rule book straight out the window. Um, everything's up for negotiation. And that was quite interesting. And as an academic, it's you, you, well, I found it to be quite unfamiliar, but quite enjoyable to suddenly go, actually, I can negotiate with the university. The university came to us and said, these are, um, this is the uh, license agreement that we want to put in place between you and your company and the and the university. And it was my mentors through Converge Challenge who were saying, you should push back here. You should go, hang on a minute. This isn't in the best interests of my idea and my company. I think we should have this sort of license agreement. And then you start a negotiation. So that's an interesting shift. Chris went from an area with a lot of well-defined paths, I mean, that's academia, and he moves to the world of the startup where you're breaking such new ground that a lot of the rules just don't apply anymore. But he obviously found it worthwhile learning from people who've found their way around that world. In a similar way, Suzanne took a really important tip around relating your idea. The pitching workshop of uh, Marion Johnson is always extremely good, uh, right, to really communicate what you're doing. Uh, I think this is like the first step um, in that whole whole journey that you have to communicate what you're doing in easy terms and it shouldn't be that long, so one minute. Um, and Alistair Minty is really awesome. He's summarizing the whole journey of an entrepreneur in just like two and a half days and it's it's really amazing how he does that. For Rebecca, a lot of the value was in her fellow attendees. I think for me, it was spending three days with like-minded people that were all really passionate about what they were working on. I think it helps with like your own motivation when you see people that are so passionate about what they're doing and they've got some really cool ideas and you can see them progressing it that you think, oh, I can do that too. And it just gives you a lift. But also just knowing them and knowing you know, what they're struggling with at the moment or what suppliers they're using for different things. I think one of the businesses was slightly ahead of me in the manufacturing process and they warned me that there are all these hidden costs and these are what you need to look out for and that it will cost you about three times as much as you think, but worse, it'll take four times as long as you think. So that was definitely a good learning point that then got added into the plan and helped me kind of manage the time delays that we did go through. For Adam, it was an important time to start thinking about the business itself rather than what the business does. Probably up until that point, we'd been so focused on developing tech and so focused on developing something new, putting patent applications out, you know, thinking about even bringing in some early stage um, revenues that could support the company, but maybe not thinking about the longer term all the time. So just having that opportunity to actually sit back, 
and think about some of the commercial challenges that be coming up and being able to bounce ideas off people who are in a similar space. This is something that's easy to underestimate. So many people in starting a business, they focus on the what. By that I mean what you do and how you do it. But they don't spend enough time on the who. So that's what market you'll be in, who you'll be selling to, and why they need your product. Just having some space to sit down and think about that stuff outside of the chaos of running your business, that's so valuable. So I think there was a lot of companies with very similar interests. Um, and, you know, it's the type of group that you can potentially keep in touch with as well. So that you've actually got a little camaraderie, uh, which is quite important to be able to go and talk to some other people who are going through similar things. I think having that helps a lot. It's, it's very easy as a, an early stage company or a, a tech startup or to think, oh, wow, you're just going through this alone. This is a very different journey to probably most of the people you know. I think having people close by that are going through similar experiences is pretty useful. You know, Just being able to chat to them, learn from their experiences, help them learn from yours as well. Don't underestimate this. It gets lonely. The people you lean on right now, they might not be able to help you in your new world. So you've got to take every chance you can get to know new people who are going through it with you. After all, when you're all in the same boat, you're right there to help each other out when the seas get rough. Talking of rough... How do you feel about standing up in front of a few hundred people and talking about your business? It's not something that comes naturally to many of us. Oh my goodness, I was so nervous on the inside. It was, I think it was a really daunting process. And it's strange because it's not like you're directly pitching for money. So it's not like there's a, you know, something that, that you've got a real goal in mind. But I think knowing the calibre of the audience that's listening, you want to do yourself justice and you want to get across your business idea. Generally, it was the, what do I need to tell people? It was that slight confusion, if you like, of what are the important bits here? Because there's, by that point, you've been working on something for three years, and you're trying to summarise that in, you know, well, 20 seconds a year, if you like. That's pretty challenging. <laughs> so really, at that stage, it was about how do I draw, how do I narrow this down? So even the eventual winners got nervous. I wanted to share that to let you know you're not alone in having butterflies. It can be scary getting up on the stage. But you know what? It's totally exhilarating as well. I remember doing mine back in 2015. I was the same as everyone else there, you know, totally fired up about my idea. And when you feel like that, it doesn't matter if you're nervous. It's just amazing being able to tell hundreds of people about what you're working on, what problem you're trying to solve. My heart was hammering beforehand. But you know what? I'd done the work. And the support you get ahead of time from Converge and their trainers, it's so good. It was Mary Ann Johnson at the time and she was brilliant at helping you with that puzzle that Adam talked about there. You know, how to distill it all down into 60 seconds. How to get the message across, how to show people just how much you care about this. So by the time you get there, you walk on stage and it all just flows. I was staring out there at all those people and you just get this feeling that they want you to do well. You know, there's no one trying to shoot you down there. It's all support. And the words start coming. You tell them what you're doing, why they should care. You deliver your pitch. 
It's all good in the end. I walked off totally excited, really looking forward to hearing what people thought, to have those conversations with dozens of them from the audience about all that stuff I was working on. So, nervous, yeah, but totally worthwhile, and one of the most exciting things you're likely to do this year. I've spoken in front of thousands of people since then, on dozens of stages, and I still use a lot of the skills I was learning back then. Even in our long talks about podcasting, about content or entrepreneurship, getting to speak to people, to share what you do, even for 60 seconds, it's a privilege. It's one of the best things I do in my work, and it always leads to good things. Actually, the, the results that I got out of it were far better than any other pitching uh, experience that I've had. There was one journalist there that then wrote an article based on my pitch and talking to me on the night. So it got us some coverage there. And as it went out, other journalists picked up the story. So we actually got a lot of coverage off the back of just that one pitch. So it, it was incredible. So Rebecca, despite being nervous, obviously did a great job. What tips did she and the others have then for putting it all together? I think it's always really good to have set sentences that you know succinctly either demonstrate credibility or your key points of, of your value proposition. So I don't often use like a full 60 or a 30 second pitch when I'm talking to people as I think that can come across quite unnatural. But I think it's really good to have those sentences that you know they've got a lot of power to the words that you're using and just drop those in in conversation. When I did the original 60 second pitch, I didn't, I wasn't fully immersed in my idea well enough to have a flow over a 60 second period. Uh, I didn't know what points I wanted to get across, whereas now I do. And I know that uh, these 60 second pitches, you need to get three main points across as often as you can in those 60 seconds, because it's not long, you haven't got much time. Um, if you can get three ideas across, great, well done. And, you're, and, you're, and sometimes you're having to get very complex ideas across to people who may not understand, have the same background as you. Uh, so you've got to think about who you're pitching it to. I think as soon as you're on stage and you know that you've practiced it, it just kind of kicks in and comes out naturally that you do just want to do your best at telling everybody all about what you're working on. So I think that's the, that's like the calm when, when, you, when you're there and you know you've just got to do a good job and you've practiced it, it just comes out. That's it. You know why you're there. You know your product inside out. You know how hard you've worked on it. So 60 seconds on stage talking about something you've been living and breathing for months. Piece of cake, eh? I like to, to present you know, what I'm doing because I'm very proud of what uh, my team and myself have achieved. So this is why I want to get out the word, you know. After all that, has Rebecca used it since? Not in a, a sort of natural conversation if I'm talking to either customers or investors, but I will, again, pull in the sentences that I know will get a reaction, and it comes out quite naturally because I'm used to saying it uh, from the practice from that. I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever in a, a business scenario used a 60-second elevator pitch. I think it's more about having a conversation with someone, um, but being able to try and succinctly summarise what your business does is still pretty important. So while the 60 second pitch perhaps isn't exactly what you'd use in real life, it's useful in forcing you to hone down your message. You know, to build up a toolbox of descriptions, of problems, of solutions, all of which really hit home in normal conversation. 
And that leads right into the business plan. If you've not come across this before, a business plan is designed to show anyone outside your business what the business does and how it will work. And that includes the whole process. It means the problem you're solving, the market you're selling to, how you'll create the product, how you'll get it to market, the kind of team you'll put together, how you'll make money, and finally, predictions about how much money you'll make. To use the technical term, that's your financial projections. Now, there's even more that goes in, but that's the start. And if that sounds overwhelming to you, <laughs> you're not alone. But Chris told me about the support he got from Converge in creating one. The training for the business plan was was excellent. Um, we were given a sort of, I guess you could say, template to work from. The types of things that we needed to consider. So, as an example, we knew that because we sell lasers, we need to think about um, using a distributor in different countries, or maybe even this country. So I literally picked up the phone to a distributor and actually got the managing director of a distributor company who was kind enough to give us his time in explaining how the distributor ecosystem works, what we as a company should be looking out for, the pitfalls and the, and the positives in, in, in working with distributor companies. It's those type of pointers that we got from our advisors and through the business plan process where we started to go, well, what, what do we need to be thinking about here? Distributors, manufacturing, quality control. These things all came out of the, the business plan template that we were presented with. That sounds like for Chris, the real value was in the process, not just the end result. In creating their plan, they basically designed how their business would work. It was kind of like a validation process, figuring out every part of the puzzle. And I think for us, the sooner you can start recognising the problems you have in front of you, and therefore the time you need to put into solving those problems sooner rather than later, and also identifying if a particular route shouldn't be pursued any further, because the sooner you discover that that route shouldn't be taken, the more time you save. And, and that's the one thing that you run out of very quickly. Adam discovered at this point, too, one of the key principles in business plans. And I know from judges' feedback that what we wrote at the time was not necessarily the clearest document in the world. Um, and yeah, we could probably do that better. Keep it clear, keep it simple. We still maybe struggled a little bit to do that at the time. You've got to remember that this is something that'll probably be read by people well out with your industry. If you start looking for investment, you won't be speaking to scientists or inventors. There'll be business people who want to know what you do in the simplest terms possible. Talking about investment, Chris really brought home what the whole process is about. It's not just a competition, it's rehearsal for the real world and the next stage in your growth. So we had the original business plan for the Converge Challenge and then we recognised that in order for the company to grow, we would need to go for proper angel investment funding from the um, angel networks in Scotland to begin with. It's at that point that we opened up what was now the old business plan and gave it a proper revamp. Because by then, my network of contacts had grown and advisors, people I could, I could pull on. Uh, and so we used that advice along with the original business plan to draw up a brand new business plan that we could then confidently put in front of investors and say, look, we're much more confident in the facts and figures in this revised plan, please can we have some money? And we used um, EIE, which is Engage, Invest, Exploit. 
we were granted um, to pitch in front of a room full of investors. And that's where my presentation skills that I had honed over the last 12 months really started to come together because we piqued the interest of two investor groups who subsequently invested in the company. As simple as that, eh? Well, kind of, yeah. Because after all the practice and the coaching and the support network Chris has built, he was ready. And so were Rebecca, Adam and Suzanne. And so could you. I hope you've got some starting points from the advice during this episode. But if you need more, you know where to go. The Converge team are there for you. Just nip over to convergechallenge.com to find out how you can speak to the team about your idea and how you go ahead and apply for the challenge itself. We've got a lot more for you in the show too though. This time we looked into how to pitch your business. That was really focused on customers or partners, but next time our four entrepreneurs will be pitching to real live investors. And not just for 60 seconds this time, but six whole minutes, all with the aim of winning the Converge Prize. We'll find out what they learned about making their business more attractive to investors and what they did once they got the money. Thanks very much for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed it, just make sure you subscribe so that you get future episodes automatically. Search Converge Challenge on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And if you really enjoyed it, I'd really appreciate a review in the same place feel free to sneak in a wee pitch for your business. You never know who might see it there. This show was created by thepodcasthost.com for the Converge Challenge. Profuse thanks to our four entrepreneurs who provided the advice and the stories on this episode. You heard Adam Brown, Chris Leyburn, Susanna Mitchk and Rebecca Pick. And the show was narrated by me, Colin Gray. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next one.